All right, we're here. Uh, this is podcast number 12 or 13. Uh, this is my second or third guest on here. I don't know. Uh, because I just had Steve here, Steve Ventura, and he was uh, incredibly drunk. And um, he left mid... Um, this is really an interview. This is more of a... Uh, let's just talk about how we've connected, how we've been in each other's lives, uh, that, that kind of thing. And he just like... I was telling a story about the first time we ever got drunk together, and then he went pee, gave me deuces, and then just dipped out. So um, uh, this might be 12, if it's Jeremy, who is the guest today, Jeremy Corey. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> or this might be 13, if this is Jeremy Corey, and I decide, hey, I'm going to put the one with Steve up. Uh, I'm going to let Steve listen to it before I put it up. Uh Maybe I'll give you guys a sample of it. I don't know. Anyway, we are here on uh, podcast number 12 slash 13 of the Pop Punk Dadcast. And um, we have to talk about a bunch of things because I I, I write them down uh, per podcast. Mostly it's just me rambling, which is just me by myself. Um, First off, how have things been? Because we don't don't talk a whole lot. Last time I saw you was... uh, my daughter's seventh birthday. Yeah, I guess it's been a while. Yeah. Um, things have been okay. Just doing the grind. The adult thing, or whatever they want to call it. Adulting. Uh, work. I feel like that's kids, what school. all of us have been doing, yeah. Yeah. Uh, how, are, how old are the kids this year? Uh, how old are they? I should go ask them. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nine and eleven. Nine and eleven. That's not a that's not a good number. Nine eleven. Well, they're yeah. good kids. Boy. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, have you have you noticed like um, as as the kid got as the kids get older, things are either getting harder or are they getting easier? Um, some things are easier, like because you're not constantly watching them. Like, what the fuck are they doing? Or yeah, um, oh, they're being quiet. Like, I'm going to find the room destroyed or something. Now, if they're being quiet, they're not doing anything at all because they're so absorbed with electronics instead of, you know, being so quiet because they're, like, secretly eating a jar of glue or something. But uh, I have the total opposite is when uh, Ava's seven right now, and whenever things are real quiet, I'm like, what is she doing? And then I go, and she is, in fact, eating a jar of glue. Uh, so... Uh, maybe you have to wait a couple years. Not an eleven, so yeah. it's like two two years until I get out of that. I guess it depends on the kids too. I mean, the, and my kids do the complete opposite. They'll go from being really good to a thousand and ten percent, where I'm just like, "What happened? Who are you? Get out of my house, you crazy kids!" That's exactly that's exactly how Ava and Chloe are. Uh, we have Chloe who is fifteen, and uh, Shelly's niece. And um, we took her in. And, um, yeah, 7 and 15, which are kind of like half of each other's age. And it's it's weird because one is totally content all the time. And the other one, most of the time, isn't. Uh, and, and it flip-flops. So once you hit the age of 14, 15, that whole, that whole thing of like you not worrying about them is going to flip-flop. Because I think at 14, 15, they're going to go back to eating glue. <laughs> this is, I mean, she isn't, she's actually eating glue, but this is what I've, I've, I've personally seen is they're like, 
Okay, she's quiet. You need to go check. Maybe she's maybe she's dead. Maybe she's uh, she's not even in the house right now. She's walking the dog. But um, yeah, and then this, then Ava seven, um, she's always she's always into something. I'm like, you're trying to put the cats in Barbie doll clothes. This isn't gonna <laughs> this isn't gonna fit. The cat is 22 pounds. Uh, it's not gonna work. Each leg has like. There's a dress. The other one has Ken's shirt on. For real, this is this is a real thing that's happened. And then she like tries to find the clip on bows and put it on the cat's head. <laughs> um, this is the second podcast that you and I have tried to record. Uh, the first podcast didn't work out at all. It was just two microphones and not logic, no headphones, nothing, and uh, that had to be scrapped due to it. it I don't know. It, it just didn't work at the time. It was it was it was totally totally terrible. It's okay, because I think you were doing it. You were re- recording video, too, and I, I That's right. probably I used, looked really haggard that day, so this, I, this is better. I used my iMac to record video and audio at the same time, and it, it just didn't work out at all. So i um, kind of glad that that didn't... Uh, that's never seen the light of day, and I'm pretty sure I deleted it. I lost the audio to it, so it was just us mumbling anyways. It uh, happens. Yeah. That's all right. Um, so (laughs) Steve was just here and he was really drunk and, uh, you, you, you just told me as I'm cracking another beer, you haven't, uh, drank in like three or four years. Yeah. It's, it's been, I I guess I officially started counting because it was easier for me to remember. Uh, (laughs) doesn't sound good for somebody who's sober, but, um, what was it? New Year's. Um, yeah, so the end of 2016, I really started counting, not drinking anymore, but I pretty much stopped drinking by mid-2016. It just got to a point where things were going to go south, like, real quick. I think I got a picture from that night on, uh, on the New Year's night you're talking about. It was, uh, I got a winky slash kissy face of you on the toilet. I don't know, that might have been... 2015 year, going yeah, in at 16 but yeah i do that i do a lot of stupid things sober so i yeah could have been yeah but um yeah like you drinking in front of me it's not a problem i mean I, I drink coffee i just trade one addiction for another yeah but coffee's always kind of been an addiction um quit smoking around the same time so it's it was kind of a a mind fuck yeah well what what was a mind fuck to us is uh me and Shelly is the last, it was like the time before last you showed up, you're like, I need to crack my back, and you did 20 push-ups to crack your back in the middle of our floor. I don't remember. Uh, you had a long day at work, I don't know. Um, no, but uh, yeah, it's it's great that you stopped drinking. I, uh, I don't drink as much as I used to. I mean, I was a Jaeger guy. Mm-hmm. You were a Jaeger guy, like every yeah. single weekend. Um, we still had the nine to five Monday through Friday, but, uh, Friday after five, it was like <sighs> time to clock in again and time to drink. So, yeah, it, it and then wasn't... it just, it just <laughs> takes your toll. Uh, it just takes this toll on you. Um, I wrote down something, uh, uh-huh. top five drunkest times you've ever been. Oh God. Yeah. Um, I guess the problem is, if I was really, really drunk, I wouldn't remember. So, that's, that's true, that's true. Um, well, th- there was one time, um, you, you're 
your brother Scooter. He reminds me time and time again of this one time, and I want to say it was 15 going into 16 somewhere, or maybe it was like around Halloween. Not years old, but no, 2015 no, no. Yeah. into 16. Sorry, yeah. years. Um, and he has a, a short video clip. There's actually two, and I was screaming for our friend Chuck. He wasn't even there, was he? He was there. He was downstairs okay. and probably not as drunk as I was because my thing is I always got drunk as quick as possible and was a complete shit show the rest of the night. <laughs> and I either had a really good time or it was a freaking emotional roller coaster and everybody had to deal with me. And I woke up in the morning and, and just apologized to everybody. Like yeah, that, yeah. that was all day the next day. So um, anyway, I was screaming for Chuck, but this one time in particular, I was almost butt naked standing in the bathroom leaning against the wall peeing into the toilet i actually made the toilet but scooter was there making sure that i didn't die and i'm just screaming and it kind of sounded like chuck i'm naked for you and on new year's yeah and then it might have been the same night i also screamed for chuck and it was just really loud and i don't want to do it because it'll make the oh it'll, 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 it'll make it'll our clip. ears pop but yeah um I was screaming for Chuck again, then I jumped down a flight of stairs, and he had to catch me. Chuck did catch me. I don't know how. Oh, the bear hug. Well, then there was the bear hug, but... Um, yeah. So there was that. I don't know if it was a really good night, because I remember it being pretty shitty the next day. Um, there was a bunch of New Year's at your parents that always seemed to turn out all right. We had a 4th of July party. Oh, there was uh, the 4th of July Which was a Christmas in July, which... My mom thought we were fucking crazy. We set up all of our Christmas decorations in the middle of July. And um, we had our band play outside. Anybody who was a, mu uh, a, a musician at the time could just like come on in, pick up a bass, pick up a guitar, sit on the drums, keyboards, whatever, and, um, and play in if they knew a song. And we had unlimited amounts of alcohol. Um, but... Uh, that we we also went to Ohio because we live in Pennsylvania, and we bought twelve hundred dollars worth of illegal fireworks, and brought them back to Pennsylvania, and when we did that, uh, my mom freaked out because she was already not having it. She didn't want the party, uh, she didn't want us drinking, mm -hmm. and then she didn't want the alcohol at all. So what she did to cope with this was to go to our local uh, butcher shop and our Walmart and buy another $300 worth of food because she figured, well, I'm going to sober them up. They're going to drink. But anyway, digressing is, uh, you were hammered mm -hmm. while we were throwing mortars in the middle of our yard. If you know what mortars are, mortars are the fireworks that go in the giant tube and shoot in the air. But we decided to exclude the tube and just throw them at each other. And, uh, Jeremy wanted to hold on to those Hold on to uh, bottle rockets, um, late um, uh, Roman candles out of his hands and his and in, in between the webs of his toes, and uh, that uh, Scooter still talks about this. Or my, my brother Scooter, he still talks about that story all the time. See again, I don't I don't quite remember. Now the, the story I wrote <laughs> down was in in parentheses, and it is probably the drunkest time that you've ever been. Uh oh, uh, was the pumpkin story. Which one? When I was at school? When you were at St. Vincent. Oh. And, you know, uh, I I kind of brought this up to somebody the other day, but I didn't want to elaborate. But um, I will 
let me see if I can put it into as few words as possible. Um, freshman college, uh, first big party, staying there, but you know, away from parents, all that good stuff. Um, vodka, dressed up like a girl for Halloween, <laughs> super drunk in like an hour, and smashing pumpkins against the wall. Yeah, he threw and, pumpkins uh, against the wall and woke up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know that doesn't make me sound like a hard-ass or really cool kid or anything, but that's the last thing I remember is smashing somebody's pumpkin against the wall that they had as decoration. In the meantime, the clothes I was wearing, I borrowed from some girls that I had met that that lived in the same dormitory, and I woke up in the hospital looking at my mom and my brother. Who were uh, ultimately just had the look of disappointment on their face. Yeah. It was just... uh, we know why you're here, or we know why we're here. Um, maybe you don't, um, but we're here for you nonetheless. Yeah. And uh, that was, uh, was drunk. the drunkest I have ever been, by the way. Um, not to just throw this all on Jeremy, is the mm-hmm. uh, I ate a shower curtain. <laughs> this is this is, okay. This is not a, this is not a not a drill. Nothing. Listen. So I have some friends who live in Brentwood. I also um, got a tattoo of a flower on my chest and uh, got my nipple pierced. No, no flower on my chest. I got my nipple pierced the same night. So what happened was I um, have two friends who went to Cal U, Ryan and Kevin. And uh, they were at my dad's funeral. You probably met them. I know you met them. You, we were drinking the whole time. Uh, that's just how my dad wanted to go out is just, just to blast it at my funeral. But... Um, uh, I used to go out to their house in Brentwood, which is near Pittsburgh. It's like, I don't know, 20-minute commute from um, from their house to Pittsburgh. And um, I used to, go to, used to go to their place on the weekends when I didn't have work. And what happened was they fed me 151 mm-hmm. uh, practically the whole night, and it just tasted, like, so smooth for whatever reason. And... Um, I got really out of control and, uh, their house is on Brownsville Avenue and their apartment is above, uh, their apartment is above a tattoo parlor and, um, they're tattoo artists and piercers. And I used to say, you know, we would joke around like, Hey, give me a tattoo here or whatever. But one night their piercer, Chris was like, who wants to get pierced? And I just drunkenly raised my hand. And before I knew it, I was downstairs in the tattoo parlor, and their tattooist, Josh, who's never pierced anybody a day in his life, was like, I'm going to pierce him. So he pierced my nipple, um, sterilized it with 151 as we were drinking it beforehand, and then I went upstairs and proceeded to uh, projectile vomit all over on uh, their $5,000 Lazy Boy couch. God. They locked me in a bathroom because that was the safest place to put me because I was just fucking wild. I tried to escape through their window. And um, they took the doorknob off the other side. So I was in the bathroom just stuck. So uh, when people had to go to the bathroom, they were like, oh shit, there's only one bathroom here. And uh, they decided, uh, we're going to let him out. And when they let me out, um, I had eaten about a third of their of their shower curtain. Just, just straight <laughs> ate their shower curtain. Like, I was like a caged animal that was like, get me out of this. And I either, that was uh, probably the drunkest. Uh, and I also kept yelling for my friend Kevin. Um, 
which if you've ever seen the episode of SpongeBob with the uh, with the giant um, jellyfish, she goes, Kevin! <laughs> I was screaming like that for him all night long. Had nothing to do with SpongeBob, by the way. Not an endorsement. But um, I, uh, yeah, that was, that was probably the drunkest I've ever been. That's pretty funny. I know the, there's a handful of times, like my buddy Chris, he's, he always reminds me of when he'd come over the house and we'd have like parties or whatever, which I never threw, but my ex-wife. Just had him. Yeah, I wanted to have parties on the weekend or something because we were in our 20s, so that's what people do. And uh, there was one time I just, I got super drunk, of course, and probably drank Jaeger. And he oh found me in the bathroom and I was just kind of sitting on the toilet, lid was closed, and I had my head on my arm leaning down on the, the sink counter or whatever the hell you want to call it, vanity. And he was like, you're right, chair, you're right, chair. And I, I just mumbled and I was like, oh, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Don't touch me. <laughs> and he always reminds me of that. And sometimes I make it a joke. Like if he's like, hey, and he touches my shoulder or something and I'm like, don't touch me. I'll kill you. Or we'll be out somewhere and I'll just say that if he's trying to talk to me. And it's just a reminder of that time. Yeah. But I mean, as friends, we've always, we've all gone back and forth. Like somebody has thrown somebody else in the bathtub and turned the shower on or like, Oh shit, they just puked all over themselves. So you're going to see, you know, naked friend it's naked friend day whenever you drink. But, uh, I, one time this was about, oh man, seven, eight years ago. Ava was just born or before born. And, um, I got Molly, I got Molly and decided I'm going to try Molly one night and me and Shelly split it. And, um, it was like a, I mean, if you don't know what Molly is, it's like a real horny drug. It's kind of like ecstasy. And um, halfway through us, just like cuddling, making out, whatever. I was like, I, I, I I've got to get up. I got to go. I got. She's like, where? Are you you're gonna leave? I didn't take my keys or anything. I had to go to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom, and then I got in the shower because it was just my body was so hot. The temperature of my body was so hot. And then I pooped in her shower. <laughs> <laughs> and she found me passed out naked in her shower with poop all over. She had to like waffle stomp it down the drain the uh, next day. Jesus Christ. Um, here, here's a story, speaking of drugs, that I've never told anybody. Uh-oh. You definitely remember this because you were there. I used to take acid frequently when I was in high school. And nobody knew. Hmm. Frequently when I was in high school. So we used to go on, I, I lived in an old coal mining town um, and my friends were like really big into like ghost hunters and, and all that kind of shit. So we used to go ghost hunting, quote unquote. And um, all the time when I do that, I would microdose. Hmm. Just so I'd be like, I, I'm gonna see something. I'm guaranteed to see something. If Listen, this is gonna be so boring. Like 12 of us are gonna walk to this abandoned mine shaft that's like, you know, uh, you know, less than a quarter of a mile down the road from my house. Um, if no one's going to see anything, I am 100% going to see something. Um, and I used to microdose. And we went to the mine shaft, did all that stuff, and I walked back. You were there trying to hit on a girl. Um, hmm. And I decided to go on a walk myself. Because that's usually what I used to do on acid is I would just like... Weird. I used to just, I used to just go on these walks by myself. And um, 
basically, I used, there there was there was okay. One side of the one side about a quarter mile down the road from my house was a mine shaft. About another quarter mile down the road from the other side of my house was a church. And this one night, I freaked the fuck out, and um, I was dosing. Went on a walk by myself after I dosed, and I just sprinted back to my house, like sprinted. And Jeremy was on the porch, hmm. and I was like, "Oh my god, there's demons!" And you and Jess. Oh, now her name comes out. Yeah, yeah, now her name comes out. Uh, You and Jess. Hey, Jess. We're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I was like, oh my god, it's like so evil and. Like, my pupils were dilated. I could still see them, like, around me and everything. I was just freaking the fuck out about time. I'm pretty sure that I cock-blocked you. Yeah. uh, While microdosing on acid because at the time it was just the two of you. I do kind of remember that night. Yeah. You two were on my front porch. You had long hair at the time. I had beautiful long hair. Yeah, you did. such a man. You cut it the fuck off. Uh, Was that... Uh, When you cut your hair off, was that... It fell out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're like uh, one kid half gone other kid half you know, the rest of it's yeah. gone was that a uh, a cognitive choice or was that like um I've gotta do it because of work was that like uh, yeah it, I'm was, tired of it? it was a little bit of everything I mean I loved my long hair but it was it was work I had to clean up a little bit for work which I really didn't have to but I did yeah and then having a kid and it it was one of those moments, like, I won't forget because I haven't been able to grow my hair long since then because it just, it doesn't grow back. Like, the forehead, it, 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 the hairline kind of moved back. Yeah. Now I got the widow's peak. And whenever I went to get my hair cut, I know we're going for another little story, but um, I, it was, like, right next door to where I worked. I worked at a Hollywood video. so I, didn't, I remember that. I didn't really have to clean up, but I did. I guess I wanted to look more professional, which yeah. is funny because now I don't care. And there was this old guy getting his hair trimmed up, like his three hairs trimmed up next to me. And he looks over at me getting this beautiful mane cut off. And he's like, good for you, young man. <laughs> how do you, I don't even know how to respond to that. Yeah. I wasn't mad. I was just like, yeah, I guess. This I, is what it, I'm going to, what I got to do. That's it, what I'm going to turn into. It's probably the last time that I felt like being an adult, having a kid. How long did it take you to but, actually grow that hair out? Do you remember? Uh, I think I started growing maybe my senior year, and it seemed like it grew real fast, real quick, and then it stopped, so I had to poof on my head forever. Yeah. And then it got down to my ears, the bottom of my ears, and then it stopped, and it stayed there for a while, or at least it seemed that way. And then all of a sudden, it was down to my shoulders, and it was awesome. And I, it was, like, almost where I wanted it to be. Like, I kind of wanted to go halfway down my back. And then I was like, oh, knocked up your ex-girlfriend. Guess you'll get back together and cut your hair. Nah. So. I thought for a time that you and our mutual friend, Metal Todd Waitman, were competing for who had the longest hair. Or you were trying to at least get your hair to that stature. Because, I mean, this dude had... Uh, he has since cut his hair off as well. Yeah, uh, he's working. He's working for HVAC out in L. Uh, out in L. A. L. A. Um, <laughs> but uh, he had his hair as long as. Who's a good comparison? Oh shit. Um, um, Paris Hilton, Cannibal Corpse, uh, Corpse Grinder. George Corpse Grinder Fisher. Yeah, he had his hair as long as I mean he could swing it uh, while playing guitar. Um, so, 
he, he had it pretty long, probably down to the middle of his back. Um, it was amazing. And yeah, it was the, uh, it was really fucking long. It was and poker straight, jet black, beautiful, like the en- envy of all the girls. And mine was more full-bodied, frizzy every other day. Like, oh, it's going to be sunny today. Poof. Oh, it's going to be raining yeah. today. Poof. And there was nothing I can do. And Yours it- was exactly... There's a picture of you and my dad um, <laughs> before he passed away. Both naked... Not, not naked. Bo- not naked. Both shirtless. shirtless in the middle of my kitchen, drunk, um, with your hair out, and it's like the hair, a spitting image. Yeah, we had our hair, like, brushed the same way, and he even gave me a pair of his old glasses, and your mom or somebody took the picture, and I still have that. It, it's a great picture. It, it's somewhere, I know it's on the internet somewhere, I don't, I, I don't know where, but that's, uh, that's definitely... Yeah, I, I had my hair, me and both my brothers, um, Scoo... And, uh, and Moo, we had our uh, scooter in Moo. We had our hair in mullets when we were in middle school. We rock out the mullet pretty fucking hard. It was pretty sweet, actually. We got made fun of so hard when we hit high school and it was time to cut that shit. And then I used to do Liberty Spikes and stuff once I got to high school, which was a fucking pain in the ass. Uh, got to be glued. Not 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 a sponsor whatsoever, but helped me through them high school days um, using got to be glued hair. Uh, gel on my fucking hair with my mom's blow dryer. God damn, she used to be so pissed at me. Uh, I just remember, like, I would enter the bathroom and come out with Liberty Spikes, or enter the bathroom and come out with a faux hawk because she wouldn't let me cut it. And she'd be like, You're going to fucking school like that. And, and I would just ruin her entire day. Like, I, I don't know why it mattered at the time, but I, I guess. I guess we've grown since 2006, 2007. Um,. As a culture that, you know, your kid goes to school with Liberty Spikes and you don't kind of give a shit. But my mom really did at the time. Uh, I remember seeing on CNN the um, the broadcast warning for the emo culture that was coming out. That if your kid has these signs of an emo, that you need to... <laughs> I'm fucking dead serious. And my mom had and my mom had a sit-down with me with the guidance counselor and was like, I think you're think you're one of those kids <laughs> i really think you're gonna turn into one of those kids and i'm like i'm already one of those kids i was a, i was a punk kid in, in, in school oh um I, I wasn't very i didn't dress very punkish but i went to a private school and we had to wear uniforms and the most i did was you know mess up my hair or spike it or cuff something. your sleeves yeah and um they didn't even let us grow our hair long so that's why i usually kept it short and but I guess I was as close to emo as What you could be at the time, yeah. Yeah, and I, I wasn't really emo. Everybody just thought I was depressed all the time, and that's never changed. I'm, I'm forever <laughs> going to be uh, Eeyore. Like, I have good days, and you know, I'm not saying I'm chronically depressed, but it's just it's just the way I am, I guess. And I'm, you know, for better or for worse, work with it. But, you know, I was just depressed, Jeremy. You know, how's your day going? That's, cool. that's uh that's that's pretty much how a lot of us were. Is like a lot of our parents thought at the time, like our kids cutting their wrists or. Whoa, that's pretty. Uh, that's uh. Epic. That's uh, I I have the um, uh, Law and Order theme for my for my ringtone, and that was just uh, Jarrett Reddick from the band Bowling for Soup text messaging me back. Hey man, thanks for the interview. And I'm going to text message him back. No problem. Exclamation point. 
um, recording a podcast. <laughs> ATM. RM. What, what's that mean? At the moment, right now, I don't know. He I, might I think can't... it's like ass to mouth, ATM. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know how he thinks sometimes. Um, ass to mouth. You never go ass to mouth. I didn't even think about that. That's right. I, I shouldn't use like abbreviations or slang or anything like that. I just sound dumb. I just messaged him back. No problem, brother. Uh, if you guys want to check it out, it's on youtube.com backslash the pop dad. Uh, I guess I'm going to do my plug right here. Youtube.com backslash the pop dad. I have interviews with uh, Bowling for Soup, Authority Zero. Uh, I have an interview with Eternal Boy, who ran the Four Chord Music Festival a couple years or, or a couple months ago here in Pittsburgh, um, I have uh, interviews with tons of bands, a bunch of features, cover songs, vlogs, you name it. It's it's stupid stuff that's on the internet. Uh, but my most recent, as of this recording of this, is uh, my interview with Bowling for Soup. Uh, we were hammered when we recorded uh, that um, interview. Good times with my good buddy, uh, Jarrett Reddick. Uh, speaking of music, I have, um, which I just showed you on my wall, um, Jarrett text messaged me uh, like two hours before we're supposed to show up to this show. Like, I, I had press passes for the Bowling for Soup show, and uh, we're getting gas, and our, we're on our way, and Shelly are on our way. And uh, he's like, hey, man, do you want VIP passes? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want VIP passes. And he let us in the show early. And I didn't know what VIP passes entailed. And uh, uh, you get a uh, autographed, signed poster board thing with, I don't know, it's, 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 the, it's their name and a bunch of autographs on it with uh, Texas because the band is from Texas. And um, uh, they also played a bunch of, of, of acoustic songs. For you, Jeremy, what is the uh, coolest memorabilia um, slash this is fucking awesome thing that you have from like a band or like you went to a concert and you're like, I caught a drumstick, a pick, hmm. a shoe, something like that. Never caught a shoe. I mean, I might have caught a shoe to the face, <laughs> but that's just par for the course. Um, let me think. I've gotten a few like set lists, either... They were just laying on stage, and the stagehand tech would throw it out, or one of the band members would hand it out if it was like a smaller unknown band, but we were really into them. They'd be like, here, man. Uh, I've caught a few picks. I uh, did get a drumstick one time, but usually there's a cute chick right behind you with like tears in her eyes, and you're like, here. Yeah. But um, Then she runs off to her boyfriend. Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. he's really hot. You should probably stay with him. And... Um, trying to think what else I've, I've gotten tickets signed i mean that's no big deal um i guess coolest thing recently and it had to be paid for but my sister bought it so it's all good Ooh, Gemma. yeah <laughs> hey gem sorry um it was back in february my birthday and in flames actually came to pittsburgh and i forgot about the show and she surprised me for my birthday and was I like i think you told me about this yeah, she's like, I bought you a meet and greet ticket. Fuck you. Happy birthday. You're going. Yeah. And I wasn't going to go, even though she got me the ticket. And I, I guess I just had a spaz out 
uh, anxiety attack moment, which doesn't really happen, but it was a long day at work, and I was tired, and I was used to going to concerts with friends, and it's like, fuck, I'm gonna be by myself. With my sister. Well, no, not even with her. You she, just went by yourself. Yeah, she bought me the ticket, that was it. Uh, and yeah. I, I Listen, I've done that gig so many fucking times, where... Shelly's like, I don't really know who this band is, or I don't like this band. I'm, I'm stoked that you got pressed for it, but I just don't want to go. Like, like Warped Tour 2018, I had pressed for it, and she's like, that's really cool that you have pressed for it. Or, for that matter, Blink-182. She doesn't like Blink-182 Blink at all. Really? She's not a huge Blink fan. And, Get rid um, of her. <laughs> just kidding. No, Shelly, she likes love neck, you. neck Deep opened up, and she's not a huge Blink fan. And uh, she's like, just just go. Do, do the whole press thing. And uh, it's so, it is. It's fucking weird going to a show yourself and just being you. And you're like, I don't have anybody to talk to. No one to associate with. Yeah. Maybe, I hope I run into someone, but you don't. But what was your experience like? Yeah. So, uh, I, I ended up going, I think my mom, uh, I don't know if I talked to my mom, it's going to make me sound like a real sissy, but I my probably, mom. yeah, I probably, I, I think I talked to my mom or my sister and in so many words they said, fuck you, you're still going. So I went and I'm glad I did. Um, I, I got there early and the, the meet and greet was maybe an hour or so before say the first band went on. And uh, I got to meet some of my idols because I grew up listening to In Flames. I, didn't, I wasn't there from the beginning of the band, but some of my friends in high school got me into them. And they've always, they were like this band, like, holy shit, I, I love their music. I, I don't understand what they're screaming about. But then once you begin to understand the, the songs and, and the lyrics and, and the, the, what they wrote, it, it was, it's just amazing. So they've always been one of my top favorite bands and to get to meet them was so surreal because there I was I was tired I was still dressed in work clothes I was like fuck it I'm going you went straight from work straight from work and I it, you know I probably got there in 40 minutes 45 minutes something like that and uh, there was all these other people that were geeked out to see them and um, they got to talk to the band and like I, I would have had my chance too but I, I might have only told them yeah, I've been listening to you guys since like high school, and it, it's awesome to meet you or something. Yeah. And that they went around like we were in a circle. They were shaking everybody's hands, and um, there was even one couple that was there. They didn't. They didn't look like this kind of couple because they were like kind of conservative. Well, well, uh, say well groomed, like yeah. almost too good looking to be at a metal show, and that's that's unfair because everybody can listen to whatever music yeah, they want. Yeah. But um, they were a good looking couple, and they're like. Yeah, we met at uh, an Inflame show back in such and such. That's crazy. And we just like started going to shows together, and now we're engaged. And it's like holy shit, like that—that that was pretty cool. It, it's crazy you say that. I went to a uh, Pure Noise Records uh, hit me up and was like, "Do you want to review this show at uh, the Rex Theater?" And I was like, "I don't know who it is. Who is it?" And it was the band Stick to Your Guns and Terror. And Terror is like I. A huge hardcore band. Like, they're, like, early 90s hardcore punk influence. Like, slam dance, you're going to get your nose broke at this show. Maybe a couple teeth missing. And um, Stick to Your Guns is, like, the modernized version of Terror. And uh, 
Yeah, Pure Noise put the show on. They they were like, hey, want to come out? Want to review it? Want to take pictures? Want to you know, vlog? Whatever the hell. And I went to the show, and another couple just like that. I was like, they're conservative as fuck. And uh, they brought their seven-year-old to the show. Oh, shit. Who was just like metal horns. And like, uh, they brought him on the side of the stage where we were. And I was like, yeah, little dude can hang out with me. And he was just like slam dancing and headbanging the whole time. The dad was in like the the, the, the mosh pit and stuff and, and, and all this stuff, and uh, yeah. So like, uh, long story short is that you know perception and uh, you know what your eyes see can definitely be uh, deceiving uh, when it comes to what you're influenced by. I mean, you could see a guy who wears a cowboy hat who is influenced by Pantera, right? Yeah, because he yeah. likes cowboys from hell. It doesn't necessarily mean he listens to uh, Toby Keith or Dirk Bentley or anything. But right. anyway. Uh, I, I did think it was kind of funny because, like, we spend all our lives, well, not all our lives, but, like, we spent what was our life at the time as kids through high school, everybody judging you for looking weird, and then here the, the roles are reversed. It's like, man, you look way too fucking normal to be here. Yeah. You got but, a polo shirt on. Yeah, but they're in the same, into the same music, so it's like, you know, you're cool. So, but, um... Yeah, and, and like you said, seeing kids at shows, I remember, like, in high school, college, seeing, uh, like, one time I saw a pregnant chick at a show. Uh, she stood off from the crowd a little bit, but it's yeah. like, actually, you got some sack for being at a show while you're pregnant. And um, I've, I've seen little kids at shows, which I think is awesome, because I've always been too afraid to take my kids to shows at a young age, but... I mean, if if you're off from the crowd a little bit, they get to enjoy it. They have they put on the earmuffs, yeah. and and I think that's awesome that parents want to introduce their kids. To, I to that. I remember things because I think I have uh, there there's something wrong with me where I remember things vividly when they just it just triggers and it hits. But uh, you went to Ozfest 2000. You went to Ozfest 2006 uh, with us, which was the what, what I consider. I consider the last Ozfest that actually existed because 2007 Ozfest was the shitty one where Static X and a bunch of those other bands and no one cares about. They played for free. I like Static X. Uh, R.I.P. You know the right, lead right. guitar player from, from Static X. But right. uh, they played for free that year, and I was like, I'm not gonna fucking go to. That. But we went to the one, and I I swear to you, Ozfest 2006 was stacked. Uh, you had. Dragon Force, mm -hmm. who was just off of the, you know, the limelight of the Guitar Hero 3 franchise. Um, you had um, Event Sevenfold, who was just off the Warp Tour and blew the hell up out of, like, middle of the night. They just blew up, uh, but they've been doing it for 10 years. You had Ozzy, who played the second stage. Mm -hmm. um, System of a Down, who, I, you didn't sit down that entire show when System of a Down played. I think it was the first time you saw System of a Down live. Yeah. Uh, you and my brother are totally obsessed with System of a Down, um, un undeniably. My brother actually went out of his way and bought an Iceman uh, guitar by I Ibanez. Um, not an endorsement. Um, no. Just because he, he loves Darren, uh, the lead guitar player from uh, System of a Down, so much. And but that... If I may add real quick, everybody teased him about buying an Iceman because, oh, System of a Down. But... Out of all the guitars that we had as a group of friends, oh, that, it sounded the that, best. That one sounded the best, and it was always used as a backup. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was a, it's a fucking animal. But um, 
digressing. I don't know yeah. what the hell we were talking about. Uh, uh, Ozfest, System of a Down. The, the, the lineup was was awesome. I'm going to have to go back. Hold on. Yeah. I, I remember what we're, we were talking about. I had to go back. I did have to go back. I had to pause this, go back. We had to listen for like maybe 30 seconds of this. But on our way to Ozfest, uh, my mom used to drive us to every single show before I had a license. And I, uh, I used to work my ass off cutting grass to, um, to fund tickets. Because the rule was, my mom would drive me to any fucking show I wanted to, which was awesome for her, because uh, my dad never wanted to go to that shit. Um, but I had to pay for her ticket and gas money. So I had to work my ass off to not only pay for my fucking ticket, which was like 35 to $50 at the time, but my mom's ticket and our shitty Ford Plymouth. I, what the fuck? Do I, it was that silver van, uh, that uh, gold-colored van that we have. Which, I can't remember what which kind of fit van about it was. fourteen kids in it, which was illegal as fuck. Yeah, um, could because, always fit a couple in the trunk. Yeah, you you fit all all the kids in the trunk, and there was like <laughs> seven that slammed in one seat together. Uh, it only only actually fit um, six people legally with seatbelts. But uh, um, anyway, on our way to it, we uh, only had AMF and radio in that thing. And uh, speaking of kids, which is where I'm getting back to, mm-hmm. which is how my brain works, <clears throat> is that. Uh, you were you were able to be paid by 105.9 The X, which is our local radio station. If you were able to spot out, take a picture of, and email or send to, which I think Twitter was a thing at the time. We're talking 2006, so this is a while fucking go. Um, the pregnant woman who was walking around the last OzFest... They would give you free upgrades, meet and greets, and VIP passes. And we were like, we have to find this woman so we can get free VIP upgrades. Huh. And uh, we, we were looking around. We couldn't we could not find her. But uh, that uh, that whole whole thing of me going back and looking and listening to everything all uh, revolved around me talking about some woman who was pregnant <laughs> at OzFest in 2006. Which was, it's so fucking crazy to think that the last OzFest happened two decades ago. Right? Am I right? Um, two decades? That would have been 20 somewhere years. Around. Yeah. Somewhere around. We're, we're, we're close. We're close. It's 2019. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's been, what, 13 years since that one. Yeah. But it seems like forever ago. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I even tried to make any of the other ones. I just, I was kind of like, well, I like some of these bands, but I... I guess I probably got distracted with other things. Well, yeah, I guess kids. That was such a solid lineup because uh, Ozzy also played second stage at select dates. And one of the select dates he decided to play second stage um, was uh, was Pittsburgh. That was really awesome, though. Yeah. The fact that he Yeah, he I still have that. his headband that, uh, that Todd threw on stage. Ozzy whipped his ass with it and threw it back at him. It's hanging right up on the guitar behind <laughs> you. Serious, for real. That, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, that's the one. That's awesome. Yeah, he um, never, he never got rid of it. I, I think the, the one standout memory I have from that, uh, like your mom was there watching Ozzy, um, with us, but before he went on, we saw Sharon behind the stage. Yeah. And we all yelled to her and waved, and I think I got a shitty like, uh, disposable camera picture of her, and then it was an even shittier one of your mom. She was talking to me, and I snapped, and we, it was, was on the, hanging on my I, grand's fridge. Yeah, it was on the fridge somewhere. And, well, uh, e- even even before that is that uh, I was with both my brothers, Steve, 
um, a couple other friends who, for the second stage for Ozfest, just so you people know out there, they gave a limited amount of wristbands to get through a barrier, and then you got to the to the second stage. And um, once you got to the second stage, after five thousand people or three thousand people, or that was it. No one else was allowed in. But on these wristbands, they said, uh, entering mosh area is at your own risk. And being my mom, we always uh, went to these shows really early. And um, she was one of the first. And I, everybody was being really, like, pretty much a wussy about going to the second stage. Because they were like, oh, man, they got these wristbands. I don't want to go here and get hurt and all this other stuff. So, anyway, I had a track phone at the time. And mom had a track phone at the time. And... She called me and she's like, where are you guys at? And I'm like, I, I don't know. We're on this barrier and no one wants to go in. She's like, I got this wristband that says like, uh, entering mosh area is like dangerous to your health risk or whatever. And I looked at everyone. And I was like, you're such a fucking pussy. Like such a <laughs> wussy. Like my mom is hanging out on the barrier and you guys are afraid to walk in. And uh, after, after they heard my mom was in, of course. They all got the wristband. I actually have the wristband in a, uh, in a, uh, like a little case that I, I, I display all my concert tickets and my press badges and my, and my stuff. Uh, no, but it was, it was, it was so funny that no one would go in until they like got the confirmation call from my mom that, oh yeah, it was, it was cool. It, it was cool to go in. Huh. Oh my God. Um, have you ever had a, uh, a fangirl moment? Huh. Where you were like, I met this person, or I see this person from across the crowd, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Like, I'm, I'm fangirling right now. Uh, there's been a couple moments. I, I guess, recently, the In Flames concert. Yeah. Uh, that was huge moment. Huge. Um, oh, I do have to tie up that story just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I felt bad that my sister couldn't be there. But whenever they also had pictures with the group, yeah, and I, I said, "Hey, I hate to ask this of you guys because you're trying to get everybody through to take pictures, but can I call my sister and you all say hi to her?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." And um, Anders, the lead singer, was like, "Well, give it to Tanner. Tanner Wayne is their new drummer. Yeah, he's fucking badass." Um, he's like, "Give it to Tanner. He's better talking with people because they all kind of had broken accents." And um, so I called my sister, Tanner got on the phone and was talking with her and she like freaked out too. That's awesome. And it was pretty awesome. And the picture that I have with them, Tanner has the phone up to his ear and so that, that was kind of cool. Anyway, it was that. Um, another fangirl moment. Uh, let me think what was a good one. I, I know one. And it, you didn't even meet the band. You didn't even meet the person. You just waved to them. It was the X-Fest. I remember this because you ran up to me and I was so fucking jealous of you and Scooter because he decided he was going to ride with you instead of my mom again. Okay. And it was when Angels and Airways played in Pittsburgh. Okay. Tom DeLong, Tom DeLong was walking to Starbucks. Huh. And this asshole over here took a wrong turn down Albuquerque and um, we were, it was in Pittsburgh, took the wrong turn to the parking lot and Tom DeLong just so happened to cross the road uh, from the venue to the Starbucks across the road. And you or somebody in the, in the car was like, that's Tom. And you fucking yelled at him. And he waved back. He was like, what's up, dudes? 
You know what? That probably was Scooter. Oh yeah. my God! I can. Yeah. How could I completely forgot about that? I I like I still I. <laughs> and then the thing is, my my other friend Tom, uh, who looks like a younger Tom Tom DeLong slash Eddie Van Halen, uh, he they were doing they were doing Angel and Angels and Airwaves meet and greets. It was a weird fucking show if you remember. It was like them, Unwritten Law, Sum Forty One. Uh, Punchline, I think, played that show. It was a right. weird lineup. It was like, let's throw four pop punk bands in in, 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 in a in a in a bowl and let's pick one, or you know, like ten pop punk bands in a bowl. And let's pick one out. And uh, Angels and Airways was the headliner, um, but uh, he got to get his shoe signed, his Macbeth shoe, which was owned by Tom DeLonge at the time. I don't know if it's still owned by him, but uh, he got a shoe signed. And then he walked away, and the rest of the band still did autographs afterwards for another solid 20 minutes, which was cool, because I still have, I have their autograph, but I still don't have fucking Tom's. That's awesome. I just saw him walk away, but you, you guys saw him at Starbucks, and he, he yelled back at you, which was which was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, there was a, Okay, so then there's that one, which I forgot, um, don't do drugs or drink. That, was, that uh, was close to 15 years ago. That was a while ago. We we did see Angels and Airwaves a few times, like in say like a five year span, which was badass. And then they disappeared. And now they're touring again. Yeah. I think the tour is either over or almost over. But I, I want to catch them again. Yeah. Um, another fangirl moment. I I remembered as you were talking about that. Um, I believe when Slipknot played one of the Ozfests. If if it wasn't '06, it was one of the earlier ones. I can't remember exactly what year. So I was still in high school, and it was before they played. Saw Corey Taylor walking either to a trailer or he was walking through with some security guards. And, of course, I was screaming like, hey, Corey. And he puts up the devil horns and kept walking. That's awesome. And Even if he gives you the acknowledgement that, hey, I, I know that you called me out. You know who I am. Yeah. And That's then, all I would need. Then if it was that show, um, it was around the year or within the year or two when they came out with Volume 3, Subliminal Verses, which, amazing record. And I already had the album, but I bought it again at OzFest so I could get in line and have him sign it. So I think it was Corey Taylor, um, their, the DJ Sid was there, and I don't know if Clown was there or... Jim Root, one of them was there, and I remember one of them didn't want to shake my hands. They just did fist bump, just because so many people, and it might have been Sid, but um, I got to meet them then, and they signed the CD, and signed my ticket, and then I think I was a dumb little kid, and as I'm walking away, I just scream like, "You guys are my fucking idols!" And everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, come on, move on." But there was a moment that you freaked out about, I think, the week of, or at least. The day after, or at least the week of, uh, you went and saw Cradle of Filth at Mr. Small Theaters. Fuck, I forgot about and that, too. the lead guitar player from, from Cradle of Filth, was... you walked up to him and you were like, you whispered to him, you're like, I know who you are. <laughs> and he was like, okay, thanks. And you gave him like a handshake, and that was the end of it. Because those dudes, like, they wear makeup, and their hair is long and perm yeah. and all this other shit. Um... But uh, you happened to spot him out. He was just hanging out by the bathrooms at the time. Yeah, there, there was that. I, um, fuck, what was that? Uh, I was probably junior in high school. It was at The World. 
in Pittsburgh, which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, there's to, a lot of to my like knowledge. That don't um, exist. I can tell you, I don't know how we got there. I don't know exactly where it was in Pittsburgh, and I don't know how we got home. Yeah. But it was a good time, uh, awesome time, because it was a small venue, and we were like balls up front. And uh, who was it? It was Arch Enemy, Bleeding Through, who I was obsessed with in yeah, high school for for a bit, and Cradle of Filth. And yeah, I, what what was his name? Paul Paul Allender. Yep. I think he's still playing in the band. I think. Maybe I can't. I, think I can't remember. Around. I kind of fell off. I was. I don't follow them Danny as closely. Danny Filth is still in the band. Yes, Danny Filth is still yeah. in the band. And talking about Metal Todd when he had the long hair, we always compared him to Danny Filth because he was Todd is like three foot tall, and he could scream like Danny Filth, like he, that, that uh, shriek. He could project. Yeah, yeah. And dude, oh my God, like my my brother Moo is a phenomenal guitar player. Uh, he played for the band Gene the Werewolf for a while. He played in in, in my band for a while and uh, played drums. Um, he he cut solo tracks for you know some shit. He taught my other brother Scooter how to play certain things. You know, um, total influence on on myself honestly. And uh, he uh, <laughs> Todd would come to our house after not playing guitar for a solid month, and he would just show Moo up. Yeah. Like, Moo would just be like, I don't want to yeah. fucking touch guitar. And he's like, I learned this new riff. And he, Todd would just rip it. And Moo was like, I don't even know how you did that. Yeah. I don't even know how you did that. And uh, he would he would totally just... just, just sh- that, that's how good my uh, uh, Todd is. Who is now working, working HVAC out in uh, California. Yeah. Uh, which is amazing. So anyway, um, yeah, Paul was there at the show. And uh, I... Probably sounded just as creepy as Braxton said. I saw him and I was like, "Hey, know who you are?" It's like, "Hey, thanks." But that that was a cool moment because uh, I was really into Cradle of Filth, and him at the time, him was blowing up. And I never did get to go to one of their shows. I know they played one of their last shows in PA, like in Philly, and totally missed it. And Our good mutual friend. Uh, Jim Reed went to one of their last shows. And a, a, a really good segue is uh, I didn't go to that Cradle of Phil show, but I went to the Cradle of Phil show at the Electric Factory where it's Cradle of Filth, Guar, CKY, and Clutch and Bam Margera hosted. It was the Bam Margera Viola Bands tour. I remember that. And I it was, was so fucking incredible. Oh my god. And I got to meet Bam uh, who was great. And um, uh he was like no pictures and all that shit at the time, but it was like 2007. So no one had, um, access to that kind of shit at the time anyway, unless you were like recording 240 P or whatever the fuck. Um, moving pixels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was total garbage, but, uh, funny story about Todd, um, uh, segueing back into Todd. He's just going to be the subject. Of this There's whole lots, thing. lots yeah. of funny stories about Todd. Uh, I had an old, Honda Accord. Oof. I want to say a Honda Accord with a sunroof. Uh, the windows in the back didn't work, but the sunroof did, and the front windows worked. That that has nothing to do with the story. I just want to let you know. Uh, but me, my buddy Todd, my brother Moo, and our also f- mutual friend Jimmy Reed went to the Hymn Show. It was the last time they played in Pittsburgh. Uh, when Venus Doom came out. Yeah. Uh, when that record hit. And we... Because we were young and dumb, and uh, we decided we're gonna buy a handle of Jaeger, a handle of Jaeger, 
And we were passing that shit all around, all the way from Cal, PA, all the way to Pittsburgh. And they played at the old club zoo, which is Extaza, uh, now, which is now also closed. So it doesn't exist anymore. Um, That's on Southside. But we got lost. Because at the time, we didn't have MapQuest, we didn't have Google Maps, we didn't have any of that shit. It was like, you either knew... Or you looked it up and you printed out map. You had to print out, physically print out on paper, MapQuest directions. And uh, so we tried that and it wasn't working so well because we were hammered by the time we got there. And um, Jimmy, with a handle of Jaeger, on Grant Street in Pittsburgh, which is near the courthouse, by the way. Which is near the police station, by the way. Hung his head out of my Honda. And was yelling at people, yo, yo, hey, do you know, do you know anywhere where, uh, Club Zoo is? We are so fucking lost right now. <laughs> He's like, he, he was just screaming, just, hey, yo, you, you, babe. He was yelling at just random females on the street. And that, that's what he sounded like, too. Yo, babe, you with the, you with the briefcase. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know, and, and, hey, hey, I'm talking to you with the briefcase and the high heel shoes. Do you know where Club Zoo is? We are so fucking lost. With a handle of Jaeger in his hand, slugging it out of a moment. I'm like, dude, we're going to get so fucking arrested. And uh, we didn't, but we made it to the show. We got to see him and uh, three bands who I don't fucking remember at all, but they were they were all all amazing, um, but that was my was my him experience. I did in fact get to see him uh, one time before uh, they decided to call it quits. I did get to see Cradle Filth uh, at the Viva La Band show uh, in Philly on Halloween uh, at the Viva La Band store uh, with Bam Margera uh, before they called it. The, uh, the, the Cradle Filth they're still together. Oh yeah. They're still uh, together, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'll tell you what, Jeremy Corey here huh? uh, got me into fucking Cradle Filth because we were at the McDonald's. This is I still remember shit. Uh, two thousand four, two thousand five. When you started coming to my house, and my parents wouldn't let me do shit at the time, but they let me go with like one of three people in a vehicle. It was uh, it was you, it was my friend Miles Nikolic, who is now an oncologist. Sure. Yeah, and uh, my friend uh, Andrew Bolisky, who is now a biochemical... No, he's just an engineer for... Uh, I don't remember what, but he makes like 250000 a year. And my other friend, Brandon Jones, who is a biochemical engineer and makes like pharmaceutical drugs and shit. Um, but you were one of the like three or four people and we went to McDonald's and you blasted Thornography by Great Old Filth. And I was like, I fucking love this shit. And, uh, yeah, uh, not an endorsement, nothing whatsoever. It was just that, uh, Thornography was the, the, was the, and Jeremy Corey were the two things that got me hooked on fucking Cradle of Filth. Uh, mostly because I was a huge Him fan at the time. And, um, uh, Vil Valla from Him was a, uh, uh, was a guest vocalist in the band, uh, w- was in Cradle of Filth in their song by Ironic Man on Thornography. Yes. I was like, that's not fucking Him. That's not that's not Vilvala at all. Why the fuck would he do that? And then I uh, come to find out that was actually him. Uh, you had you, you showed me the, uh, the the little the little booklet and shit. This is before like downloading and everything came out. But uh, you had I, to actually buy albums. Yeah, yeah, you had to go to Target or, or Best Buy or Walmart or whatever and buy the album. 
but yeah, that was uh, that was a, a life changing moment because I really got into that afterwards. We actually learned the song by Ironic Man just because I love that song so fucking much. Okay, why not? Oh shit. Um, so we were talking about um, we're talking about uh, 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 bands, mm-hmm. and one of the bands that I know that you um, as a fan, musician, whatever you want to call it, it uh, highly influenced by is the band Tool. And um, uh, I don't know if you know, but this year, I will pull it up, actually, is that, as soon as this shit stops its shit, is that uh, Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor, is now inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I did see that. Um... Another band that I know is, uh, um, that uh, was on the rumor of being inducted, <coughs> but didn't get it yet, was uh, Blink-182. I know that the huh. rules are you have to be a band for at least 20 years in order to be inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, Blink just hit it this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on these bands? Uh, this is not an endorsement whatsoever. Um, I have to announce that on a podcast. If not, they may or may not shut me down. Okay. Uh, we have Pat Benatar. We have the Dave Matthews Band. The Pesh Mode. Uh, the Doobie Brothers. Whitney Houston. Judas Priest. Uh, Kraftwerk. Uh, Motorhead. Nine Inch Nails. Notorious B.I.G. Uh, Rufus featuring uh, Shaka Khan. Uh, Todd Runnigan. Um, Soundgarden. T-Rex. And Thin Lizzy. Um your thoughts on uh, the 2020 inductees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How do you feel about any of those? Huh. Um, I don't think there's anybody on there that I would say no. Yeah. They don't deserve it. I can't say that I've really sat down and listened to everybody, but I've probably heard songs. Yeah. But, you know, because me, I, I listen to rock, metal, hard rock, whatever have you, um, some hair metal. But uh, I'm okay with it. It's, I mean, it's actually really interesting to see Nine Inch Nails on there. I mean, they deserve all the acclaim that they've made o- over the years. Trent taking the helm, making it his own over the years, and basically becoming legend at this point. But um, I, I guess I would never expect to see him on there or Motorhead. But I guess that's part of. Motorhead, I, I, I think I kind of seen because um, Lemmy, if you not know or do know, uh, passed away a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had cancer. And um, for those listening out there, and I kind of seen that. Uh, as soon as the band hit 20, it's kind of a not written rule, but it's kind of a, like a nod, tip of the hat that we're going to at least induct your band if you've been a band for 20 years and your lead singer or whoever the fuck it is. Uh, suddenly passed away of some tragic incidents or whatever. That, that's usually how it goes. Yeah, um, got Soundgarden on there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the funny thing I see about Nine Inch Nails is, I don't know how true it is, but I keep seeing it in my news feed on Twitter and on uh, on Facebook, is that uh, Trent Wesner's uh, response... Twent. Twent Wesner. Twent Wesner. His response... Uh, to that is, I could give a fucking shit less. I didn't see that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's totally me. I don't know 100% if that is uh, if that is valid, if that is legitimate, but um, 
Did yeah. you see when he came up uh, for the CMAs? Because, um, oh my god, little Nas X got a CMA nod for where uh, he was up for an award for Old Town Road because it was he, it was such a cross genre song. But yeah. part of a song that Trenton Reznor and Atticus Ross had made, I, I believe it was from one of their Ghosts album, which was uh, mainly instrumental. A piece of that was used in, in the Old Nos. Town Road. It was buried somewhere. In, well, not buried, but it was in the mix. In the mix, yeah. So to really pick it out, you'd have to know the songs. I didn't actually know that segment. I, I didn't know until but, you just told me. So, But because they had to be listed as a producer, now they were listed as producers on this song, which was getting a Country Music Award, and they, they made some jokes about it online. And uh, uh, Do you know if they actually made... Uh, uh, if they actually won the award, if they they were just nominated for it, right? Yeah, I didn't I didn't follow up on it. I just I, I saw whenever it happened. I read up on. It, I'm like, what what's going on? And uh, then I I kind of forgot about it. Just distractions, you know. ADD, yeah, yeah. ADD that was never taken care of. So I uh, I think that kind of stuff is funny. Um, uh, the the bands from like. <laughs> back in the 40s and 50s and 60s will you know then get a nomination for something that's happening now yeah. there's no one left but it's like a Miley Cyrus song just because there's like a 30 second clip of uh, of them that, that was sampled you know yeah. it's, it's 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 pretty it's pretty insane and it just shows how much uh, how far copyrights will go to get that extra buck um, yeah no, that's that's pretty fucking insane. Uh, I was really, re- I was really excited to see that um, Blink One Eighty Two was up for the award this year. Yeah, they never went through with it, and they never got nominated for it. Um, but they were up in the running because they're they're hitting their twenty year mark, which would have been fucking amazing. Because I'm a huge Blink fan, you're a huge Blink fan, mm-hmm. and it would have been um, all the members on the stage. They would have even pulled Scott Rayner. Who is uh, Blink's former drummer? I'm ignoring that phone call. I'm gonna pretend to ignore that phone call. Uh, Scott Rayner, who is uh, Blink 182's former drummer, they would have pulled everybody: Tom, Matt Skiba, Blink, uh, or, or Travis, Mark, uh, everyone on stage. Um, do, do you think it's crazy? Like we've listened to these bands for fucking two decades, and now it's like. Wow, that, they're they're so old that now they're like in the, uh, they're now able to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is that like a surreal moment? It is. I'm especially growing up with Blink because uh, these other bands you see them be inducted, even say Nine Inch Nails, and uh, it's like okay, they were around ten years, fifteen years before I even heard of them, maybe, and and then here's Blink. And say we like we follow them on Instagram and we watch them grow old. I mean, it's kind of like a weird voyeurism. But um, <laughs> then you look in the mirror, it's like, wait a second, I'm fucking old too. And you go back and think, well, they were probably only somewhere between seven to ten years older than us. But at the time, that was like this huge leap. And now we're getting to the point, like you said, it's it is surreal to see them uh, at least get that nod. And uh, if they ever do get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is going to be like, holy shit. Well, uh, you were saying like like that age gap. Um, I know for a fact 
that uh, Mark Hoppus, Jarrett Reddick, Mark Hoppus from Blink-182, Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup, Eminem, Eminem, yeah. and uh, Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day are 47 years old as of right now. Wow. 2019. Um, which is, it's roughly, uh, it, 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 it's a decade and a half older than me. And it's fucking crazy to think that, like, when I was listening to them when I was 15, they were, like, 24, 25, and killing it. And I haven't done fuck all since I was, like, when I was 24, 25, I was, like, trying to do the grind. I was trying to do the 9 to 5. And those guys were out touring, like, doing um, UK and, and the, the entire U.S. selling out stadiums and all this shit. Um, uh, do you look back at that and you're like, fuck, that could have been me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes, I guess, if I had talent, but <laughs> it it is weird to put that in perspective, because you see a lot of bands they they really get big, they hit it worldwide. They're like late twenties, thirties, and now here we are, and it's like, well, we're raising kids, we're we have a family, house to take care of, you know, things maybe they were doing, but juggling all at the same time as touring and and doing press stuff and and everything else but uh they started earlier too like uh, you played music from a young age i didn't were like six or seven years old yeah i didn't get into it till like really get into it till high school till 15 16 and then it's like that's what i wanted to do and then you get sidetracked it's like oh i gotta go go to college these other guys were like no my college my life experience is gonna be music and they really they kept pushing for it kept pushing for it and it paid off well, I even look at this like uh, I, I, it's not. It, I mean, it's directly related to music and directly related to Blink. Is that I look at like uh, I follow Travis and Mark and Tom and all those guys on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all of those shit, and um, I see that like Landon, who is Travis's kid, yeah. his first son, turned fucking sixteen this year, and I'm like, God damn! Oh. I basically watched that kid be born. <laughs> Because yeah. I used to watch the Cheetah Chronicles on uh, on, on the Blink-22 website and, and, and on MTV. And it was like the when the Untitled album came out, it was like the update and all that other shit. And um, uh, Ava, who is Tom's daughter, is like now going to college and shit. And I'm like, Jeez. God damn, how fucking old am I that she's now in college and she's an Instagram page... And and she's out of high school and, and all this other shit, and it's it's just it's it, I can't I can't wrap my fucking mind around it sometimes. Um, no, that 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 stuff uh, that stuff blows my fucking mind. I'm like maybe I missed my chance, but then I take a look at dudes like uh, I'm gonna look this up right now. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Uh, when Harrison Ford started Star Wars. Um, he, was, he was he was in his thirties, wasn't he? He was in his late fucking thirties. Yeah. Um, Let's see, Harrison Ford was older when he got Harrison Ford. Like his first fucking movie was he was born in nineteen forty two. Okay. Um, and, and in Star Wars was in he okay. It says right here, uh, Harrison Ford was born July 13th, 1942. Star Wars was made in 1977. So he was 35 when the fucking movie was released. Wow. Dude was 34, 35 years old. 
when the movie dropped. Um, which just goes to show that, like, you know, even if you're a band and you blow the fuck up, like, One Direction when you're 16, 17 years old, your prime might not be until you're 41. Which, doing this podcast and, and, and doing, uh, and doing this shit uh, with with the website and, and and the YouTube channel, it gives me hope that like man maybe maybe my fucking time is until I'm you know 41, and uh, the same thing could be could be said for for Harrison Ford. You know a lot of young actresses in the uh, in, in Hollywood, uh, people like Charlize Theron, who my daughter her middle name is after Charlize Theron. It's Evelyn Charlize. Um, she didn't blow the fuck up until. She was in her mid twenties, which that's just blasphemy, uh, con- considering you know most of Hollywood takes them then whenever they're like in their early teens. Yeah. Um, do you think that like? Do you think that like? <laughs> even though you play music and you've done this shit throughout the years, that you could come, you could somehow come back and be like, I can crush this when you're like forty. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say, yeah, I could do it. And sometimes I still think, well, maybe now, because I feel more focused and, uh, you know, I would put more work into it. Where yeah. then it was it was just play. It was a lot of fuckery. And, I mean, a lot of bands that made it will say that. And they're like, we don't even know how we fucking made it because we were drunk most of the time. Yeah. And, you know, we all got sidetracked by life. And, uh, I mean, I'd lo- I still play music here and there. Maybe not as much as some people, but... You know, it's one of those things when you do get to playing music, it's like, yeah, I could I could really do this again. And uh, I guess it's just one of those things you just don't quit. And you do the podcast, and there's other things you do. You, you do the, like, video blogs, blogs. I've, I've um, got a ton of avenues I go down, but it's always, like, music I come back to. Like, I, there was even a time where I was, like, fighting with myself where I was like, maybe I should not put cover songs up because I'm supposed to highlight guest spot whatever you want to call it um these other bands and i don't want to show myself off and um then i was like yeah well fuck it i have these cover songs um kind of on the back burner maybe i should just maybe i should just just do a one-off and i got a good response from the first couple cover songs that i did and then it turned into like a couple more and, and now i'm just doing like maybe one or two a month or whatever um but like with uh, uh, like with like, like with Harrison Ford, um, you 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 could blow the fuck up with something really dumb when you're like forty. Yeah. Um, didn't uh, didn't Samuel L. Jackson start pretty late? Yeah. Like forties. Uh, um, you know that that's a, that's another uh, an, an, another actor. Um, he blew the fuck up when he was. You know, he did the Quentin Tarantino movies whenever he was in his 40s. Um, another person is Sammy Hagar, who blew the fuck up with music. Another person is Diamond Dallas Page, who didn't start wrestling until he was 35 or 36. That's almost unheard he, of. I, exactly. Uh, you know, you start wrestling when you're fucking, boom, right out of high school. You're, you're, you're right out of high school done. But he didn't start training until he was, you know, in his mid-30s with Jake Snake Roberts. And wow. um, that's a that's a unorthodox thing but he became the fucking world champion in WCW that's like saying yeah I think 
I think today I'm going to start playing pro football. In exactly. Your mid thirties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. usually when they retire. Yeah, so. and there, that's that's even unheard of. But you know, when, when you're doing when you're doing that that that, that kind of pro stuff. Um, but music. If yeah. You could do that anytime, and even if you're not pretty enough to be on the front cover, you could you could always write music for people. There's a there's always an avenue for for writing music or going down the music road anymore. I know that there's a guy um, who used to do the open mic nights literally like one minute away from my house who wrote the song American Ride by Toby Keith. Really? He got $125,000 for that one fucking song. I mean, a lot of it went to alimony for his wife. But he wrote <laughs> that... He's <laughs> serious. That happens sometimes. He wrote that song... And uh, he's he's went on to write songs for Keith Urban and went on to write songs for Brad Brad Paisley and for Shania Twain. But that avenue is always open once you get your foot in the door. Um, it's just it's just it's just pretty fucking insane. Uh, you can you can pretty much be anyway anywhere with the internet anymore. You can be like 50 years old and start something up and it'll be fucking insane. Like. I'll, I I don't know about you, but I, I get trapped some nights where I'll flick through Facebook or I'll flick through Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and there's a video of someone like just like I'm watching them for 25 minutes churning butter, <laughs> or someone just making ice cream, or someone just yeah. like fucking chopping wood in the in in the woods, and I'm like, yeah, I have spent 15 minutes of my life doing this stupid shit, and they spent a good amount of time putting this video. Together. Um, have you got yourself stuck on the internet watching stupid shit? Absolutely. Um, well, I, I always fall down the rabbit hole watching music videos and different bands. Um, I'll, I'll watch instructional videos, you know, like repairing shit or just mindless stuff like, uh, or like my kids get me stuck on it like that. So satisfying videos and, and kind of like. What you were saying is just that these repeated tasks and, and just stupid things are like somebody pouring fudge into a pan and it's on loop and you're just like, oh, it's so pretty. And not that I was high or anything, just being really tired watching it or uh, I there's, don't know, there's one, interviews. There's, there's one that I, I've, I've fallen into where I haven't really fallen into it. I've, I've just caught myself watching it from front to back just like, is this going to change? And it's a guy who puts balloons on a wall he tapes them mm. and then he like tapes knives to his forehead <laughs> and his fucking his chest and all this shit and then he just runs full force into the wall and pops these balloons and I'm like what is this guy doing what's next I'm not I'm not intrigued but I know he's fucking stupid but I'm like <laughs> <laughs> honestly but I'm like what is he gonna do next and then it's like him uh, coming up with this like round contraption of knives, and then ten feet below him is this like contraption of balloons, and he just drops this round contraption of knives on these balloons, and they all pop. And I'm like, what is he gonna do next? Yeah. And it's it's that kind of stupid shit. You told me about something uh, before we started this that, uh, that that I have to bring up. And it is a battery-powered uh, jacuzzi for your nutsack <laughs> that you found uh, on the internet somewhere. 
And do you ever find yourself buying random stupid <laughs> shit? I'm not saying a battery-powered nutsack for your... Battery-powered nuts. That would be interesting. Battery-powered jacuzzi for your nuts. Do you ever find yourself buying stupid, uh, random shit? Well, I, I guess the only time it did happen, <laughs> and I'm considering buying the, uh, it, it's called the, uh, what the hell is it called? Testacuzzi? Testacuzzi. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, th that wasn't a spot, but if you want to look it up, that's what it's called. Um, but one time... I think my brother or somebody sent me a, a video of the squatty potty stand. Like It's like a stool for your toilet. It lifts your legs up so you can poop more uh, correctly. Funny enough, I work in-home care. And um, uh, they one, just... of the, one of the people I take care of, um, she needs something like that. Really? Uh, because she has a, a prolapse. Oh. Okay. So, um, it is uh, not recommended, but mandatory. And they bought her a squatty potty. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a random fucking thing. And it's like, it's so weird. It's something yeah. that sits um, uh, anywhere between 6 and 12 inches, depending on how much you jack it up. Between 6, which is half a foot, to 12 inches, which is a whole foot off of your toilet. And, um, well, off the floor. Off the floor, yeah, yeah. It raises your legs, your knees, like closer to your chest. So, like, if you were out in the woods pooping, you'd squat down the poop. Yeah. Animals squat the poop. So, I guess it just helps the flow. Yeah. And uh, after you kind of get used to the position, it I got to vouch for it. It, it helps. <laughs> it, it, it's the same thing for this person is that uh, when, when, when she was doing it, it... Uh, uh, it helped push it out because she was forcing, which was giving her hemorrhoids. Ooh. And being a, a, of an upwards age, um, it, it, it dramatically helped. This is not a spot whatsoever. We're talking about a, a fucking uh, attachment to your toilet seat. Yeah. Um, when you're older, things just don't snap back in place. No, they, they fucking don't. No, they don't. I saw a meme earlier, by the way, that uh, said, when we're younger... We want to be superheroes, but when we're older, we identify with the villains. Do you think that's true? Yes. <laughs> uh, being that said, uh, the perfect segue is uh, I haven't fucking seen it, but you apparently seen it. Uh, how was the new Joker movie? Oh my god. Um, I'm I'm part of the camp that uh, will gush about it. Um, I'll I'll just say straight up, it is not an action movie. It is a drama, it is a, a thriller, it's a psychological type movie, but it makes you sympathize for the villain. For the villain. And it, I mean, it's you see before he becomes the villain, you see what he went through that created this villain, that desensitized him and, and um, just the, the things he dealt with in life. And it, it catches you at this point right before... He explodes. Yeah, before he, he snaps. And um, it's simultaneously beautiful and horrifying at the same time. Just to think that um, somebody could possibly have problems like that. And it, in, it presents it in such a light, or maybe not a light, but it presents it in such a way that it, it seems like this is real. This is something that could, could happen. happen. or has happened or will happen. Right. And um, I know there was a lot of uh, 
tension over the movie. People were, were worried about things there were actual that were going to happen. Theaters. Actual movie theaters in certain townships, boroughs, uh, counties, where the police borough would actually advertise on the front of the fucking movie theater. Um, warning, this movie is... You could you could get shot at during this movie. Um, there were there were there were police townships that were that were advertising this like we don't want to say that it could, but it might because of what happened with the with the Dark Knight movie uh, and with the Dark Knight Rises movie. Right. Um, there there could be a high and it's it's fucking scary. But you know so far nothing nothing crazy has happened. I haven't Thankfully. seen the movie yet. Yeah, um, I, I definitely recommend it. I personally, I was riveted the whole time. Like yeah. you think this movie, there's not a lot of action. Oh, you're gonna get bored if you're that kind of a person. But I was, I was glued. Yeah, and and I want to go see it again. If you're if you're a DC, I know that when when the Dark Knight blew up and and, and came out, I saw that movie no less than a dozen times, uh, solely because of the Joker, and I wasn't bored the entire fucking time. Like every single time I went saw that. Um, I got the movie that year for Christmas on DVD with like special features and the coin that came with it. It was uh, two, two side. I still fucking have it here somewhere. That was from Two Face. Um, this movie, I, I would I would definitely recommend. It's not a plug, but I would definitely recommend it. Here's here's something crazy that I heard about the movie. That I don't know if you've heard hmm. that the person who played the Joaquin Phoenix who plays the Joker in the movie isn't actually the Joker. I, I did hear that. He I isn't actually that. the Joker, the final Joker. It's that, like, he did something that's so fucking crazy and outlandish in Gotham that is the Joker that he went to jail and his story became a story, which became a story, which became a story. And then the guy who got arrested in Gotham, who became the Joker, heard that story and then adopted that story. And that's how it happened. But the director won't tell anybody until the second movie comes out because they're doing the sequel. Are they? That's, they're doing, they're doing that's the incredible. Sequel. Yes. And that is supposed to tie into uh, another DC film with the actual Joker if Joaquin Phoenix is going to be the actual Joker. I, I don't fucking know. Um, Even if he's not, his his performance was so exceptional. Yeah. Uh, if he, I, I guess it's hard to, to talk Oscars or anything like that for... Uh, a superhero movie well a DC a comic book movie yeah but it could stand on its own like if you didn't know that it was any tie had any ties to comics yeah you would still just be riveted to it well, and, and my, he was excellent my whole thing on it was uh, I haven't seen the movie yet but I've seen the previews and when I saw the previews and I saw Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix's quote that said, I don't give a fuck what you think about my performance as a Joker. That was his quote. I might be paraphrasing, but it was, the word fuck was in there, definitely. It was something along the lines of, I don't give a fuck what you think about my performance in this movie. I just know what I went out for, um, what my subject material was, what I, what I rehearsed for, what I, uh, what I planned for this character to be. Um, and what the directors and DC Comics gave my fucking praise um, on, uh, they, they all they all agreed upon it. Um, that that that's pretty much all that matters in the end. Is that the dude who created the Joker in the end is like, 
I give you my full. Because he's the same dude who gave uh, Heath Ledger his full support. And if you look back in interviews from 2005, 2006, from, you know, I'm not going to name any sources on this, but uh, 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 major publicists, major websites, major uh, 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 magazines that said that Heath Ledger was going to be the shittiest, worst fucking decision that, D that, that, that DC Comics ever made as a Joker they ever made and then come full circle they're like saying the same shit about Joaquin Phoenix yeah about this it's just uh, it, it's, it's pretty fucking insane um, I you're, you're right I hope I hope it gets an Oscar I haven't seen the movie yet um, I'm one of those guys that just waits because I don't have fucking time to do shit I just I wait until the shit comes out on like PlayStation video or or Netflix or something and I, I order the shit for like three dollars um this might be one of the movies that I go see in the theaters. Uh, one of the other movies that I, that I saw in the theaters uh, was out in Pasadena. I saw Endgame. I had to go fucking see Endgame. Yeah. Uh, just to see how it was going to end. And to see, like... To see the whole movie theater stand up and yell, Ooh, Bombay. <laughs> when, <laughs> when the Black Panther showed up was just oh, incredible. Um... That that was that was fucking amazing. I think that was the last movie that I ever paid for. Uh, but no, this 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 Joker movie I've yet I've yet to see. Really really stoked to see it. I'm a huge Joker fan. I have a whole wall of nothing but uh, Joker memorabilia, uh, including the mask from the uh, the Dark Knight film. Um, I did notice that. Yeah, that's I'm, pretty I, sweet. That's, that's just that's all Joker memorabilia. Anything Joker it. and uh, Harley. Um, I dedicated that whole shelf for that. I'm running out of fucking space, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. Um, some of that shit I've paid like upwards of $175 for wow. for one fucking statue. Um, you're going to need, need a bigger shelf. You're fucking right. I'm going to need a bigger shelf for that. Uh, soon, soon. I'm, uh, and then I've got the, uh, I've got the, uh, uh, the, the Joker, um, a killing joke poster next to it. Yes. Which was... Uh, a fucking amazing find uh, at the Steel City Comic Con. But yeah, I'm definitely gonna need a bigger, uh, a bigger boat for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Not a plug, just a throwback to. Uh... Yeah, we wrote a song called uh, uh, "A Bigger Boat" for uh, my other buddies, um, our other buddies um, podcast. Yep. When Jaws hit its what was the 20th or 25th anniversary, something like that, 30th. 50th. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. Um, he has a podcast. I, it's changed names a, a couple times. It was, uh, I believe it started as For the Love of Cinema, and it was also called Cinema D'Amore, and uh, you might be able to find it online, and his name is uh, Justin Morgan, and I forget everybody else's name, but uh, some of our other friends are on it. And uh, they were doing Jaws, and I actually guessed it on that episode. I didn't talk much, uh, and my son was there too. He loves Jaws, loves sharks. And uh, basically everybody was just bullshitting about the movie, and then he also asked uh, if we could do a song, so or asked me, and then I called Braxton. I'm like, I can't write a song, help. So We wrote a song in less than a week for this, uh, for this podcast, and it was... Uh it was terrible. 
Yeah, but it was it was good at the same. Time. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was cliche and terrible and good at the same. Time. But it was it was fun to do because again, going back to not playing music for how long, and then it was like, all right, well, let's do something. So it, yeah, it was also a hiatus for us for like a, a solid, um, I would say a year uh, that we haven't done anything. Yeah, you were working, I was working, and uh, then I switched jobs. And then that was even prior to the pop punk dad. And I uh, I haven't even fucking started that. And uh, you were like, hey, want to do this thing? Uh, but that's amazing. Moving forward, um, do you see yourself in? This is probably the the last question on this because we've been talking for so fucking long on this. Yeah, I don't even know uh, if our kids are still alive. Oh my god, they're they're downstairs playing Beat Saber on the PlayStation. Um, do you see yourself uh, in years from now? Um, Playing music, playing music live, doing a bar band, doing a uh, uh, write your own songs band, touring, any of that shit. Do you see yourself doing that moving forward from your current age of whatever the fuck you are right now, which is what, 33? Almost 33. Because yeah. I'm, I'm 31, so I figure we're really like two years apart. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I, I will say yes. Yep. Uh, despite uh, the, uh, the story about the dream that I had earlier. Actually, if I could relate that real quick. Yeah. Um, so we were, uh, yesterday, I was actually talking with somebody about a band that Braxton and I and Scooter and uh, one of our friends, Gage, was in, and uh, it's called Skyline Heartbeat. This is not a plug. And <laughs> I'll link that all up below, actually, because I think it's really rad that our first EP, we had uh, Mike Herrera from MXPX guest vocal on that. It was really cool of him. To just be like, hey, yeah, yeah, you know what? I don't have anything going on right now. No tour, no band, no album. Let me just guest vocal on your shit. Send it over and I'll fucking sing on your record. And we all recorded it in my mom's basement and it sounded fucking phenomenal. It, yeah, it actually sounds really good for a uh, basement. Um, anyway, so I guess that was a plug. Yeah. But that's okay because it's our material. Um, so we were in Skyline Heartbeat and I was telling somebody about it and... Um, that night I had a dream last night and we were playing a show and it was a big show like a festival and something that we hadn't done yet but that was always like part of the dream yeah. and uh, we were playing and I noticed that I wasn't getting any sound out of my amp anything at all like <laughs> and, and I was singing and, and nothing was happening and uh, I actually got towards the edge of the stage so I could hear the speakers more nothing the rest of the band I could hear and then one of the techs was like, oh, yeah, we unplugged your stuff. And that was one of the jokes whenever we played is that they unplugged my instruments, didn't hook up my mic because I was just kind of there. And I didn't really do anything in the band. And uh, then at that point, the stage cleared. It was just me staying on stage looking at all these thousands of people. And I just, even though I had clothes on, I felt naked and alone. And I woke up and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it was kind of funny. So there's a there's there, there's a there's a reason behind that. It, it, it's about insecurity. I uh, well, yeah. Well, segueing into Skyline Heartbeat is that uh, I used to study for the band because I thought it was a really cool concept. I used to study uh, Encephalitis Lethargica, which is a catatonic state where you get when you're in when you're dreaming but you don't really know, and you're also paralyzed and um, lucid dreaming. So I used to study all this fucking lucid dreaming shit. I used to also try it too. And then whenever I would feel something or I would dream or have a weird dream, I would look up what it means. And a lot of it means a lot of the same thing. And um, 
being naked on stage in front of people, um, uh, being uh, vulnerable in front of people, feeling that invulnerability in front of people, usually means that uh, in real life, you have an insecurity about yourself that you don't know about, that you haven't unlocked. And that's what it fucking means, is when you're, when you're naked on... Now, when you feel someone else, when you're in front of a crowd of people and you see the entire crowd naked, um, this isn't a, uh, a psychology session, but when you feel, when you see the entire uh, crowd naked, you, um, you feel powerful and you feel that someone in your life, uh, you're overpowering their, um, their ability to overpower you. But on the other hand, if you if you look naked on stage in front of a, a group of people, whether you're presenting a uh, PowerPoint presentation or talking or, or playing in front of thousands of people at a rock concert, you uh, have an insecurity about yourself that you have yet to unlock and you need to unlock. So uh, this has been our <laughs> psychology yeah, session. Right. I've won $75. <laughs> But that, that, that's, that's seriously what it is. And, uh, um, Can I write you a check? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Post date that shit. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I would have to say definitely some insecurities. There's always insecurities with me, and, and that's fine. I'm, I'm grown into it. But uh, I, it kind of ties into exactly what we were talking about. Do I feel like I will ever play music again? And, and I, I've had different dreams where it's like, yeah, we were going to play, but nobody's there to watch. And... But that's actually happened in real life. Yeah, <laughs> we, we booked. It some really shows has at some at some venues, and we uh, we go to show up, and it's it's us in a giant banner, and and no one. Yeah, and we're like, oh fuck. Or, and uh, we did shows with the, the one or two drunks that are there every night, and they're like, well, I guess it's better than sitting here. Yeah, exactly. Without anything to entertain us, but yeah, um, I just uh, I hope. Uh, that I can play again someday. It doesn't even have to be in a crowd. I just I want to keep the music thing going and try to pass it on to my kids. Um, or See, any... I can't do that with the kids because they, they like stupid shit. Oh, they I, like yeah. pop music and all this other stuff. But um, I have certainly done the same thing. I have uh, some cover songs up on uh, the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash the pop on dad. I have uh, a couple Blink covers because it's what that's the... Uh, that's the pop punk music that I got started on. I have a cover by Boxcar Racer, um, one by Four Years Strong. Uh, there's a one by Bowling for Soup. My good buddies from Bowling for Soup. That one's up. Um, I just I, I post shit inter, 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 intermittently, intervenously. Um, but it, it would be cool um, to not even have a band that plays shows live because this is what I've learned from higher ups in the business is that. You don't really want to go out and play a shit ton. Is that you want to kind of put your stuff online as much as possible and get in front of as many people as possible online before you put your face um, in, in front of actual people because the business has changed so much. Now, the way it used to be is that you would uh, you would show up, play in front of actual people at an actual venue in front of as many actual people as you possibly could and then they would retain their knowledge of you being good and then show up at your following gig or buy tickets off of you or, or whatnot or buy your merch. And now it's been, well, I put a YouTube video up and I'm selling tickets. These guys buy 50 tickets off of me. 
uh, because I have you know a thousand some views on this one video, and they show up at my next gig, and that's really how it's been. Uh, as of the 21st century of, uh, of, of I don't know, music marketing or whatever, this is what I've learned from the higher-ups. Uh, if you guys know different, uh, let me know down below in the comments, um, the comment section, uh, if, if things are different for you, if you're a band out there. Hell, if you're a band out there and you want to know, uh, if you can get on my site, if you want to get an interview, um... Uh, if you want to get part of, of, of the blog, any of that stuff, um, just hit me up at, at thepoppunkdad at gmail.com. I have uh, daily blogs on thepoppunkdad.com at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, there are random videos that go up every two to three days on youtube.com backslash thepoppunkdad. Um, my uh, Instagram my Twitter, my Facebook, my TikTok, hell, I started a TikTok, is all at the Pop Punk Dad. Uh, you can check that all out at there. I post random shit on that. And um, that's 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 pretty much it. Um, if you want to check me out, youtube.com backslash the Pop Punk Dad. Uh, the Pop Punk Dad.com. Uh, I, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, with Jeremy Corey. Do you have anything else? This was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. Try it again sometime. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Later.